sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. It is July 8th, 2020. Great to see you. Great to be with you here on the show. It is Sports Grid. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. We got plenty to get to here on the show. Win totals on FanDuel from the Milwaukee Brewers and Minnesota Twins. To get Joe's opinion on those two teams, you'll get mine as well. Not to mention, we're going to have Howard Bender coming up on the show. And Joe, a little football uh, with you as well. Bringing on a football guest to discuss some fantasy today. Yes, but first and foremost, please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. A more aerodynamic, lighter version of Craig Mish. Because somebody got a haircut. Oh, look at him. The whole Mish family looking good. By the way, did you get any like cool stuff? Did you get like a fade in the back or like a spider web? I was thinking about getting the number in there, you know? Ah, yeah, man. But like, turn to the side. Let's see the fade. It's got a little fade rock in there. Oh, oh. I was thinking of doing like like all the channels that were on, like Pluto TV, Zumo TV, (laughs) Stir. One big. I could put a big Roku uh, in the back. I got room here. Well, I, you can tell just by his face. Look at it. He just seems like. I am uh, very happy. It, you it are. You're a, a happy boy. Feeling. It was a great <laughs> feeling. I'm not going to lie. We we did yesterday uh, three hours of four haircuts. <laughs> and 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 look, I, I know that there's some people watching that are probably saying, like, come on, you're soft. Like, you didn't go to the salon. You should have went in the last four months. And, and you would be right, I'm sure. Like, I, I, I totally understand. Um, but I would say, uh, realistically, you know, everybody has to make their own decision. And in this particular case, we chose to uh, play it very close to the vest. It just got to the point where it was too much. And so we ended up pulling the trigger. Well, look, let me just say, uh, don't tell your wife, but I, I kind of agree with you. I do think you look better here right now. Although I will forever miss the Billy Crystal, Mr. Saturday Night look that you had going on there for a few weeks. It was glorious. I will miss it. Uh, but this is the Craig Mish that I know, that I love, that I've come to uh, to know quite well over the years. This is the face that I'm used to seeing, certainly. Um, so, and, and it seems like you are happy. You seem like a new man, refreshed and ready to go for another day of fantasy sports today. So uh, finally, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get started here and let's uh and let's start off by talking about uh the Cleveland Indians basically putting their foot down and saying Fran Milreis uh bad idea for going to a party and wearing a mask and 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 not wearing a mask, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really where it's all going to come down to in Major League Baseball and in all the other sports. We've been talking about this now for a week. Uh, if guys are not going to police themselves and the team cannot police them, there is going to be you-know-what-to-pay. And in this particular case, I think the Indians are uh, shaming him a little bit, and I think that they should, and I think that this has to happen in all leagues in order for people to understand that whatever your personal opinion is on wearing a mask and politics and all this other nonsense, you're trying to get a league underway and you're not going to have it happen if guys are messing up, bottom line. What's so hard about wearing a mask? What's the big deal? I don't understand. Like, everybody wants to be a superhero, right? I got 5,000 Batman movies, right? Everyone wants to be cool, wants to be a ninja, wants to be a superhero, right? And, and like, I wear a mask. I look cool. I got an awesome bald head. By the way, I haven't had a haircut since 2005, mm-hmm. just in case anybody out there is questioning this. But I look cool, man. I got my sunglasses and my mask and my hat. I look, I look badass, man. I don't understand what the big deal is. Wear the mask, okay? Science tells us. At least, even if it's not you, it's going to protect somebody else potentially. So I don't understand what the hard part is, but now he's going to be the poster boy. So you did it, Fran Meal. Congratulations. Now you're going to be the whipping boy here. And if things go wrong or if some other guys in the organization catch what he had or somehow he passes things along, it's really – you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy in the locker room who everybody's like, well, great. Thanks a lot. Like Now we're going to lose games here. Now we're all trying to do the best we can. And all the work we've done to get back on the field is lost. Why? Because you had to go hang out there with Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, whoever the hell else he was uh, partying with. I'm not sure who was at that party. I heard it was Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. Well, Brett will tell us later if that's true. But it doesn't matter, man. Like it's – joking aside – 
it's ridiculous. Like, how hard is it not to party for two months? How hard is it to just like do your job for two months? You've got all of these folks who are who are taking care of people in hospitals. You got people who are who are drivers. You got people who are working in grocery stores and pharmacies and putting these crazy hours so that maybe with the hopes that we can get back to normal and take care of each other. And you are a privileged ball player who all he has to do is just wear a mask and take care of himself and maybe just do his job for 60 days. I don't think that's so hard, man. I really don't. And it sucks. And, it, and I hope I hope people pay attention. And I hope he is shamed. I wish there was more to it. I told you, I want fines. I want all kinds of stuff. We'll see what happens with that. But Craig, what's your take on all this? Do you think the shame is enough or is it going to be something that I mean, is going to have a trickle effect? I hope some effect? other players take notice. I do. I can't say that... Um... I can't say that they will, and I don't know that this will really affect anything, but this is just the first of many players that this is going to end up happening with because they have to understand that regardless of who they are, where they are, or where they come from, um, you know, you, you absolutely, in order to get the season going, have to be in quarantine. And um, it was interesting in one of the interviews that we were doing yesterday uh, with the Miami Marlins, what they're telling all the Major League Baseball players is, um, you know, everybody has different access, to, uh, you know, in the baseball season. Uh, I, in particular, I believe I'm a tier three um, in tier and outside of tier three is like tier four. I think that's the lowest. But the tier ones and tier twos are the only ones that Major League Baseball players can uh, have direct association with. And if you have association with anyone else, that's where you're sort of breaking your own rule. Okay. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I think that they're going to try. They're going to try to get this going, but they they absolutely have to understand this. And now it's interesting that, look, the players seem to be worried about the testing, but the veterans seem to be worried about the kids and the kids not paying attention and doing their own thing. And so, you know, we'll certainly have to, uh, you know, follow this thing and see who, who is paying, who is basically keeping their word and, and who isn't. Uh, yesterday, at least, we didn't get some massive news about a player opting out. And I know that we did get some positive tests yesterday. But uh, in the players that were named, a couple of them said that they were asymptomatic. And so if they do test negative a couple of times, maybe they could be back on the field. In fact, one of them who we'll talk about a little bit later, Joey Votto, there's like a discrepancy with him because he tested negative in in uh, in, in Texas. But apparently his saliva test came back positive. So we'll have to see where he is at. Uh, the other big story from sports isn't really a sports story from yesterday because Deshaun Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles has uh, put himself into hot water. Now, of course, uh, being somebody who is Jewish in myself, I'm going to, uh, you know, hold Deshaun Jackson maybe more accountable than somebody else because you almost feel like it affects me. Uh, but he did, regardless of how he feels about people or players or things, uh, the lack of foresight and the downright stupidity of quoting anything that has to do with Adolf Hitler is reason enough for me to mention it here on this show. And look, I don't know Deshaun Jackson personally, and in the end, I'll hope for the best and hope that he really meant no harm and just you know simply didn't understand it. But this is like the equivalent of somebody going and taking steroids that are you know that are for uh, a cat uh, a horse and thinking I didn't know that it was it was I wasn't supposed to take it because it was for a horse. Like you have to know better and understand what happened with this guy and, and how he killed millions and millions of people. And, uh, yeah, just a horrible look, Joe. And, you know, simply put, I, I, I don't know what will end up happening with him. And you know, he's saying all the right things now after the fact, but I certainly can't look at him the same way. And at the very least, I can't look at him as an intelligent individual, that's for sure. Yeah, well, look, you said it all. <clears throat> There's not too much to add here, but... I will just add the uh, the outer area of it, if you will, from a fantasy perspective. We are fantasy sports today. I would be moving Jalen Rhaegar shares way up your board because I'm just telling you right now, not that I thought Deshaun Jackson was going to have a big impact in the season, but this is not a good look for him. I don't know if he's going to make it uh, by the time things all get uh, sorted out here with all of this. We shall see if he will be back. And it, and. It's strange because Philadelphia is, is, a, is a big Jewish community in it. Uh, Philadelphia is a town that he's played in before. You would think there would be a little bit more sensitivity or understanding. But he always goes back well, to the I'll same chalk, thing. I'll chalk it up to him just being completely oblivious and not understanding any of it with well, the exception well, of, like, like, like – you just you just have to know better. I don't know. You just have to know. I mean, education in this country is, is far behind. That's just places. like on the list of people in the world you don't quote. Right. Like, yeah, like, and, and yeah. everybody knows that. 
Like, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, the, the list is probably like five, ten people long, and he's number yeah, one. Yeah, like worst people in the world. Yeah, like so. it's, it's freaking, yeah, I mean, like he's probably number one with a bullet. Like he's the guy. He like, probably is the worst person in the like, history so of the world. It's not even like you had to know the next five. You just had to yeah. know that one. I mean, it, it it's just unbelievable that we could sit here in 2020 and be having this conversation like that. Like when, and and uh, where's the sensitivity and understanding too, as as a person of color of of oh wow, this is a this is about persecution and this what this person did and you know you don't have to be a history major to know that Hitler was bad. Like I think you kind of know. Like maybe if you just even saw one Mel Brooks movie, you might understand that. You might have yeah. picked that up somehow, somewhere in the comedy. You might have even just picked it up. Like you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. It's unbelievable that that even these words come out of their mouth. And I don't know why athletes or anybody for that matter feels the need to constantly be saying things out loud or saying things on social well, media. I don't want to take that away because I am a reporter and I like when yes, people are but, candid. But you even and, say and like I do. By the way, um, you, you know, like, I'd be the first one to forgive the Sean Jackson. Again, I, I choke all, I, I, I chalk it, I choke, I chalk it all up to just stupidity. <laughs> was um, a Freudian slip there. You want to choke somebody? <laughs> choke it all up. I, I, uh, I chalk it all up to stupidity, but you know, this is just one of those things where I'm not like a cancel guy. I always like to look at both no, sides of it either. and understand it. But but he's not a kid. He's not a 20 year old. That is that is a good point too. He's he almost not a kid. He's a 30 something year old man. Yeah. Or or as people like to say, he's a grown ass man. Like come on, you gotta have some responsibility here. And yeah. you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Have... I don't know if it's a fair comparison to Michael Vick killing dogs, but I feel like, you know, he. Well, Michael Vick's thing with the dogs was a weird, also again, not not condoning it, but a weird cultural Southern thing. Right, but, but it, was still, it was still it was still horrible, people and, people. and it was and, horrible, and he paid it, the price for it. And I mean, he, did. he went to jail. This is obviously not that serious. This is no, just some some guy just, saying something stupid. Ridiculous. Uh, but it, but I would tell you this: I I am a very forgiving person, and certainly I would forgive uh, making a mistake. I would not be a fan of the player. I mean, that's that's. You know, I mean, that would be the end of me being a fan of a guy like that. But look, I thought the I thought the Eagles came out. They had a very strong statement against it. Obviously, the president and general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles is Howie Roseman. He and I went to the same college together. He and I were in the same Jewish fraternity together. So I can only imagine what he must have been thinking. Uh, I don't know, but Alshon Jeffrey better not come out tomorrow with like a Saddam Hussein quote. That's all I know. Can we please? Can we stay? <laughs> There's off another one not to quote. There's yeah, another guy not to quote. Uh, Osama yeah. bin Laden. Can we put him on the list? We, no, bin Laden I mean, would say. There's like a half a dozen guys here. We just, you know, no quotes. I'm out. <laughs> can you imagine quoting Osama bin Laden? Oh God, man. Twenty twenty twenty, ladies and gentlemen, twenty twenty. All right, we're back to sports. When we come back after this, we wish happy birthdays and this day in fantasy sports history. Craig and Joe, back with you on FST on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's July the 8th. It's time to run through this day in fantasy sports history and this day in fantasy sports birthdays. We've got, uh, I would say, a very interesting uh, smorgasbord of Mm. different sports stories here today. Some home run derby, some Wimbledon, some baseball. And, you know, birthday-wise, I I only found one uh, Hall of Famer, one prominent Hall of Famer today. So we'll have to get to that. Oh, that's okay. I'm just excited we get to use the word smorgasbord because um, uh, it's a great word. I, I'll tell you right now, I will. Uh, I'll give you uh, ten dollars if you could smell spell smorgasbord the first time correctly. Do you want to give it a shot or no? I got no chance of that. Got gotcha. Okay, I figured as much. I should have gone as high as spelling be uh, once upon a time, but that one I don't remember. You know what? Of all the things in all of the this day in fantasy sports, we never had a spelling bee moment. You know what? That's kind of you. Know, maybe we should, we missed the boat there possibly, but alas. It's that time in the show, so let's get after it. All right, here we go. The 8th of July, this day in fantasy sports history. Boy, with a lot of uh, NFL players and other players opening their mouths saying things that are getting them in trouble, here's one that always got in trouble. Mark Schott, (laughs) uh, the CEO of the Cincinnati Reds, and Schotzi and her dogs and her drinking and her (laughs) 
anti-Semitism and her anti-everythingism. Someone who would never be an owner in Major League Baseball again. Uh, Different time for sure in the 80s, but I'm honestly not even sure how this even happened now that I think back and look at it with just the offensive nature of this woman. Oh, just horrible. Just the horrible, horrible. And this is, you know, I kind of always go back where I think that we should continue to look for great people in baseball. And Lou Pinell, I think, is one of the great people in baseball. Not only was he a fantastic manager for the Mariners for all those years, I know he didn't win the World Series there, but he did in Cincinnati. And he did so under the circumstances of having to work for this crazy lunatic. And I think you have to keep that in mind. Like, what kind of an incredible manager has to, at one point in time in the same clubhouse, deal with Rob Dibble and Marge Schott? Now, what kind of a man is that that can handle everything and somehow still get a winning product on the field. I think that says a lot about Lou Pinella. And uh, Marge Schott was one of the craziest people out there. Eccentric doesn't begin to describe her. And you're right. Like, you can't even fathom her in this era of the universe. Like, she she would be so out of place. It would be just horrendous. And for those of you who don't know and they're like, who is this? Google. Go to Google and find out and see some pictures. Because whatever picture is in your head about Marge Schott from the way we're describing her, I guarantee you it's exactly what you think it is, okay? So you go and you Google and you read some of the stories about the dogs and the other things and stuff like that and the things that came out of her mouth. Just absolutely crazy, man. And, I, you know, at this point, do we have any more eccentric owners in baseball? You know, we used to have the Charlie Finleys and and the crazy Marge Schott. Even George yeah, Scheiber was we have Mark Cuban. That's the one. Yeah, but not in baseball. That's what I mean. Like, you know, oh, baseball no. In owners, baseball, um, no, not not crazy eccentric no. personality owner is kind of uh, a thing of the past, I guess. We don't have that anymore. Yeah, I suppose it is. But, um, you know, but Marge, also, Marge, Marge also is known for the umpire on opening day uh, passing away on the field and not wanting to cancel the game. So, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot one about of, that. One oh, of her that... claims to fame. Yeah. Oh, what year was that? That is horrible. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, Jim wow. Bowden, who's my coach for many years, t- t- always tells a story about how he had to like plead with her and like beg her and say, you gotta, you, you got, you can't do it. Like I remember the stories that he would the tell. The man is dead for God's sakes. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I just can't. I, that, like I said, boys and girls, it was that go bad. to Google, go to Google, find out. <laughs> All right. 2000. No, you know, look, Serena Williams, arguably ha- is going down as one of the best tennis players, not female tennis, but one of the best tennis players of all time. But people forget that before Serena, there was Venus. And Venus Williams in 2000 uh, won Wimbledon for her first Grand Slam title. And you know, certainly I know that uh, Serena surpassed her in terms of talent and in terms of winning, but Venus was first. So let's also give her her due. 2000, a little bit later on, the Yankees sweep the Mets in the first crosstown doubleheader since 1903. I remember this when it happened. It was, uh, you know, future World Series matchup anyway between these two teams. Uh, But I remember, you know, the promos, and I believe the games were both on Fox, and they showed them going from one place to the other. It was pretty cool. I remember that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Was this or was this not the night that Clemens hit Piazza in the head? Too. There was the second game at Yankee Stadium, I believe, and that was kind of the hoo-ha. Yeah, like that, I remember this pretty well in 2000, and, and... I'm almost 100% sure that was the second game of that. I could be wrong, but I, I think it is. But regardless, I do remember this back and forth. And I remember how, how hot the Yankee-Met rivalry was in that time because it was still new and fresh, and the Mets were a very competitive team, and so were the Yankees. Obviously, were about as good as it gets, and they were the measuring stick. And you could not get a ticket. It's all anyone would talk about. The city shut down for these series. For three days. And I mean shut down. It's the weirdest thing. You would see nothing but but pinstripe things and, and orange and blue all over the place. And it was an incredible thing to behold. And it really captured everybody for a few years. And then after a while, you know, it kind of lost its luster and the Mets kind of fell back a little bit. And, and it just kind of, I don't know, went from being so special and so unique to being just, oh, yeah, Mets and Yankees are playing each other. And it's kind of sad. And I, you know, I don't know if there's a... You know, there's a remedy for it so much as, I guess, just, you know, everything loses luster eventually. But it is kind of sad because those moments there for New York baseball were incredible. And those early games there, uh, especially during the 99, 2000, 2001 era, were really hot games. Yep, they they definitely were. All right, we fast forward 10 years later. Ubaldo Jimenez of the Colorado Rockies is the first pitcher in Major League Baseball history with 15 wins before the All-Star break. And certainly we illustrated the season for Ubaldo Jimenez Last week, when we talked about a 60-game season, you can go back and watch that on demand over at sportsgrid.com or on our YouTube channel as well. 
And then we uh, go 10 more years in the future again and go right back to last year when Pete Alonso ended up winning the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby and sort of uh, put Pete Alonso in a little bit of a more of a stratosphere as far as a rookie is concerned. And then the numbers at the end of the year definitely spoke for themselves. Yeah, and sometimes the guys who win the Home Run Derby, we see uh, a tail off, so to speak. And it's fascinating. I read a great piece a few years ago about this where somebody dove in because there is that whole adage or the curse of the home run derby, as people want to call it, as the guys had a great first half, they're in the home run derby, second half, not so much. And what they went back to find is it had nothing to do with the home run derby. It had to do with just the marginalization of first half to second half statistics, where most of the time a guy has a red hot first half, they don't have a red hot second half. It's called the triple crown. Not a lot of guys win that. So basically they went out there and guys who were and were not in the home run derby and did a study, and there was really no difference. The guys who were red hot, not in the derby, also had – significant drop-offs for the most part who if they had 25 30 home runs at the all-star break so it was basically more of an anomaly and basically they debunked the idea of a curse around the home run derby so keep that in mind everybody the home run derby in your fantasy league next year has nothing to do with anything if you're going to sell high on a player you sell high on a player regardless just because statistically speaking it's very difficult to put two above average halves of a season together it is, and, and I think that that's interesting to look at because it may not be the Derby. It just may be, you know, wear and tear on a season. There's just right. a lot of different reasons that that can happen. All right, uh, this day in fantasy sports, birthdays for July the 8th. The biggest name that we have on this list today is 1952 Jack Lambert, Pro Football Hall of Famer with the Steel Curtain, Pittsburgh Steelers. 1965, Jerome Walton, National League Rookie of the Year, uh, played mm. 10 years in the big leagues, uh, also with the Chicago Cubs, born in 1965. One of the great tennis players that we saw in the 80s and the 90s, Todd Martin, born in 1970. Hakeem Warwick, great player at Syracuse, first-round pick in the NBA draft. Uh, got a pretty good career, stuck around for a long period of time, but Brett went to Syracuse, so we thought we would throw him in there as well. <laughs> and then 1992, Vic Beasley, who's had a very bizarre NFL career, sort of came out of nowhere to become a pro bowler and leading the NFC in sacks to a guy that the Falcons announced that they were cutting on their social media account, which I've never seen before in my life until I saw that uh, this past year. We are cutting uh, Vic Beasley uh, at Falcons.com. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, guess. I, I don't, he, they must not have liked that guy because I mean, that's not something that normally you see happen a lot. And, you know, and Beasley was really a nothing. It was just an edge rusher that nobody had ever heard of. And then all right. of a sudden he had this unbelievable year two years ago mm -hmm. uh, with the Falcons and 16 sacks. And then last year, nothing. And then gone. Well, that's the yeah. NFL. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it is the NFL. We have guys who just blow up one year and then sometimes you never hear from them again. And the NFL is more prone to that, too, because sometimes you just get the perfect guy in the perfect system doing one thing really well and everything breaks right. And then when there's more footage on the guy, you find the weaknesses and you expose that player, whether it be on offense or defense. And it's what makes the Hall of Famer of Jack Lambert, somebody like that, so different on this list. Right. You know, the guy who does so many things well, and no matter what your game plan is. You're probably not stopping Jack Lambert from tackling you or finding you or hitting you in the backfield somewhere. And that's what makes those guys so special. Anybody can go out there and have, a, you know, a good 16-game run. But to go out there and have a good, you know, 12-year career is totally different. Jerome Walton is another name on this list, by the way, of birthdays today that I have not thought about in a long time. I remember, I want to say, a 1989 Jerome Walton. Right. Uh, I mean, I remember, like, that car being like, ooh, this guy looks like a ball player. Like he's that. I'm gonna, you know, because you're because you're young and stupid. You go, this guy looks good on this card, man. He's gonna be really something. You start putting that stock into Jerome Walton and these guys, and I know Craig's smiling because it seems like he might have done the same thing. There's certain guys who look cool in the baseball card, and you know, sometimes they oh, don't yeah. give up. I think we've all. But done he had a good that. career. Yeah, yeah, but he had a good career nonetheless. But. There's the, like Todd Van Poppel. That was another one, too. Remember Todd Van Poppel? He that was guy the first said, pick, though. You know? I know. But like, I remember those rookie cards going, oh, man, he's going to be so good, man. Todd Van Poppel is going to be worth money someday. I, so think, I think what happens is, 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 is honestly, in terms of cards, and, and it's still somewhat relevant today, if there's a Cubs uniform or a Yankees uniform or a Red Sox uniform on a guy, it's like that for some reason we automatically think that guy is going to be good or going to do something. It's true. Like, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not it's wrong. It's part of it. If the, if the guy plays on Tampa Bay, it's like, yeah, he may be good. Do we really care? Uh, yeah, sure. But if, like, if Wander Franco was a Yankee or a Med or a Red Sox, it'd be like, you know, out of this world for sure. So, um, yeah, those are our, our, uh, our birthdays for today. By the way, back to Vic Beasley, the thing you said is really interesting because 
you know, I'd have to go back and look. But another thing that happens sometimes with players like this, and I've seen this happen before, is that especially when a team has a really good defense or two good defensive ends, sometimes they double one guy. The other guy has a huge season. Right. And it may be the only huge season that he had yeah. because one guy was doubled or the nose tackle was doubled. And so I don't know if that was the case with Vic Beasley, but I remember a scenario many years ago uh, in Miami when uh, Jason Taylor was like the best defensive end in the NFL. And uh, they had another player who also was a really good player. Make no mistake about it. His name was Ottawale Ogunlier. Oh, Ogunlier was a very good player. He had a, but, but he had one really, really good year because they mm-hmm. were doubling Jason Taylor. Right. Ogunlier signed a massive contract with the Chicago Bears. And then right. that was pretty much it. You know, I mean, he had a good career. I'm not saying he didn't have a good career, but I mean. Was Ogunlier on that, on that Lovey Smith team that went to the Super Bowl? I can't remember. I feel like he was, but I maybe. Mean, he, he could have been. He, he still yeah. was good with the Bears, but he. No, he but you're right. He wasn't transcendent. He wasn't at that, yeah. at that, at that level. And, and mm-hmm. so that's, you know, sort of what happened. And, and look, I don't know what happened with Vic Beasley and the Falcons, but man, that was a bad breakup there because you know normally you hear about breakups from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, or someone else. Here, it's like your own social media team just like throws you right on. Yeah, the- I, I got to keep an alert out for whenever so Craig Mish tweets. Joe Pizzapia no longer works for his It's football season. Ooh. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, more baseball news. Players not in camp, players testing positive. If you're following this along for fantasy, this is where uh, you got to really pay attention because guys we thought were good yesterday are not today. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And welcome back as we follow the baseball around the diamond. It is certainly interesting to see players opting out and players testing positive, players not being in camp and having to do a lot of assumptions is no fun, but that's part of the game. Last week we thought Aaron Nola could miss the season. Now he's back in Philadelphia Phillies camp, still questionable for opening day, but you know, certainly that's a big part of, of what we're doing here on the show is keeping you updated. And it, it's certainly changing very quickly. We did not get any massive opting out as far as what I can tell uh, yesterday and this morning. So what we're going to do is basically go through some more potential scenarios of players who are not around or players who have uh, tested uh, positive for uh, COVID-19. And you know, Joe, it's tough to lead off with this one because we spent so much time talking about what great shape the Dodgers were in <laughs> and, and how we hadn't heard anything from them. And then, boom, we get the news late uh, yesterday mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, essentially one of the players I think most people are looking forward to seeing this year, I, I believe he still qualifies as a rookie, maybe you know, mm-hmm. strong rookie no, he does. of the year candidate. Yeah, strong rookie of the year candidate. Uh, Gavin Lux, who I would think is slated, was or is slated to play every single day at second base for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we were trying to figure out where to put Max Muncie. Now, we could probably put him back to second if we want. But uh, let's take a look here. So Lux last year hit two home runs in 23 games. He is not in Dodgers camp at the moment. So we're having to read between the lines on that one, and and there's nothing to read. So as long as Lux (laughs) is out, who would would be the replacement for him? Well, the easy one is Max Muncie plays second, but that's not enough because there's still a designated hitter at that point. And I would say, Joe, that even though he is sort of a four-day-a-week player, Kiki Hernandez, uh, you know, at the very least, if Lux is out for an extended period of time, becomes that same player that he was last year. I mean, that's he'll, yeah. he'll be the same guy. I didn't know that there was a, you know, once they got Mookie Betts and they didn't trade Peterson, I'm like, oh, well, Kiki, he's the one that's going to take the big hit here. Because remember, they still have that Beatty and... They still have Chris Taylor and, and a bunch well, of that other. That was the other name. That was the other name for me was Chris Taylor was, you know, again, I don't know what happened the last hour, <laughs> but as long as Chris Taylor is still around this roster too. And he's been hurt. Guy. He's had injury he has, issues. He's had injury issues as well, but that's another guy who could play second base. I, I think your best defensive team is probably Hernandez at second or Taylor at second more than Muncie at second. 
I think Muncy was just, look, you had to get his bat in the lineup, so wherever you could stick him in there, you'd put him in there, but Lux is the best guy you want. Now, hopefully he can get right, and hopefully you get him back in a few weeks, and if he misses the first week or two of the season, potentially, that's, I think, the best-case scenario right here. Like, you get him back before that, forget it. But if you're a Gavin Lux owner already and drafts are going on, I think you have to start looking around and you have to think about Hernandez. You have to think about Taylor. Those are the kind of guys. And both of those guys are capable major league players. I think if you go back and you look at the track record on both of them, they both had some good hot streaks. I know Taylor a couple of years ago had a massive hot streak that you know, turned into an entirely good season. Uh, never quite lived up to it afterwards. And that was, I think, part of the reason why, at least for me, I was so skeptical about Max Muncy because I had lived through the whole Taylor experiment. And I was like, I don't want to get involved in this again because I saw it go sour. It wasn't the same guy. And then I couldn't have been more wrong. Back-to-back 35 home run seasons for Muncy. Look, at the end of the day, we want Gavin Lux on the field. Gavin Lux wants to be on the field. And I think it's just very prudent right now to back yourself up. I would imagine Hernandez is that first guy out of the gate. Plus, it's 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 a guy that has always been a contributor to this team. He has been there for a while now. And right. you know that he's capable of having a couple good weeks of a season. And look, the season's only eight weeks anyway. So if he can go out there and just be serviceable for a few weeks, there's no pressure here. The Dodgers are not under any pressure whatsoever, in my opinion. To me, this is clearly they are the favorite. I think you would agree with that. So for you, would you put, you know, if you started to put bids on a player for free agency for fab budget in a fantasy league, because, you know, those people are out there right now. Would you be putting money on Taylor, Kiki or both? Uh, well, I mean, Kiki's going to play regardless. And so I think this just enhances that fact. Um, you know, I mean, tell me when the fab is and that's when I'll make the decision. But <laughs> but, but, but look, Hernandez is going to play. You know, I mean, he, he'll play. Now. Taylor, I can't count on. If Lux comes back, Hernandez plays no matter what, I think. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it could be days. It could be weeks. I mean, look, Scott Kingery uh, said yesterday that Basically, uh, he did test positive. He came out and said it, and it was a month ago. And now he says he feels completely fine, but he's not cleared to play. So that's the thing, is that if Lux tests positive and he's completely fine, it could be a month, it could be a day. Charlie Blackman is still yet to show up for the Rockies. So Right, uh, and the whole thing is they ha- they cannot come back, just so everybody knows, until they test negative. Was it twice? twice. Or one? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that that's something you have to factor in here. So yeah, it's more than just, like, potentially the 14-day. And everyone's system is different. So how everyone tests is going to be very different, potentially. Some people will get yeah. better quicker. Some people will not. It's not like, well, it's a hamstring, Craig, so it's going to be uh, two weeks. You know, it's it's not like that. There's, <laughs> this is uncharted territory in the medical field here. So you can't really go by anything. It's going to be an individual by individual basis. And it's better to be safe than sorry. Just cover your bases, please, with the bench guys. If you have anybody test positive on your team, you have to make sure you're making these adjustments and just consider it a longer-term injury than it is, and you get them back sooner, it's just a bonus. Yeah, and now is the time, basically. If anybody tests positive now, they're out opening day. It's very hard. I mean, if we hear that somebody tested positive weeks ago, I mean, there still is a chance they'll show up in the next week or two. But if we're just getting a positive test in now, the odds are uh, there's time missed for the season. Right. Uh, Joey Gallo, speaking of which, was another one yesterday. Gallo, of course, uh, back-to-back 40 home run seasons. He missed a lot of time last year. And I think the expectation is a healthy Gallo is a 40-home run guy. He had 22 home runs last year. And Nick Solak basically came up last year, played a little bit when Gallo was out and was great in 33 games. He had five home runs, uh, 293 batting average. He could play the infield. He could play the outfield. And, you know, to me, I think that he was already part of this, this equation to begin the season Mm because I don't. You know, I don't know how much. I mean, look, Rugnetto Dork can't hit 170 for another month. Put Solak <laughs> in and play him every month. <clears throat> right. Now, but now I think Solak is in line to play and start and start opening day for the Texas Rangers. So I think that this is a relatively easy uh, transition mm-hmm. to a player, and I think he gets a bump up. Yeah, the problem with Solak is not where he can play; it's where can he play well. Uh, defensively, he is not a very good player. That was kind of some of the issues that they were having there with him. Hitting is not his problem. Over 450 minor league games, the guy hit 293. Uh, He hit 290 in the major leagues. He's got an 850 OPS, over 400-plus minor league games. So this is a guy that can swing the stick. That's not the problem. The problem is the glove isn't great, which is why they were kind of toying around, okay, how are we going to put Danny Santana? Where are we going to put Solak? What gives us our best defensive structure? Where can we hide him? But if anything, yeah, I think Solak is definitely the winner here because, like you said, he's probably getting everyday at-bats anyway. But at least to start the season, you know for sure he is, which is always good. I always feel like when you give a young guy like that an opportunity again and they get hot, 
they have that chance to never look back with the job. And that's that one thing about Solak. And I think this is a guy that is going to continue to stick on this team, too, because Chu is no spring chicken. He's an older player as well. Sure. They are an organization that's looking to continue to be competitive and turn things over. They have not gone out there yet and brought in the Arenados. They did not get the Donaldsons. They did not get that other guy yet. So I think, at least in the short term, there's some opportunity here. And Solak is one of these guys where I think you look at the Ranger system and you see some guys coming through there, but Solak's there right now, and I think he's kind of an underrated asset in those dynasty leagues because I don't think in dynasty you want to get more than three years out with your mindset. And I think he's a player in the next two to three year window that can be useful for you, not to mention he can qualify to other spots. And he is in no way, shape, or form a replacement for Joey Gallo in this lineup. Let me be clear about that. But he's certainly a guy that I think will benefit from, at very least, opportunity. Uh, are you looking at Solak as a player that you think is, you know, solid enough with this bat? Because it seems like basically wherever he goes, the kid just puts the ball in play. Yeah, I think he'll hit regardless of where he is. And I like the fact that he played a little bit last year, gets a, a little bit of a head start there and uh, still has a lot to prove. Didn't set the world on fire in the 30 games that he played, but played well enough, I think, to earn himself a spot. So I would expect to see him in the opening day lineup in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, Oakland basically hasn't even been practicing yet. They practiced for the first time yesterday because of the, the craziness with their uh, COVID test. So it's really hard to determine who was in or out. But we know now that Mike Fires and Jesus Lazardo are both not in Oakland A's camp, and they were both, by the way, working out together. So <laughs> you kind of have to put two and two together there. Now, Fires hasn't said anything, and we don't know, but it was reported yesterday that Lazardo did test positive. So unfortunately for him, we were expecting big things. Now you can expect no things, at least for the time <laughs> being. I don't think that you can even consider him. But uh, Fires, for uh, for all the stuff with uh, the Astros and, and the talking, actually put together a good year last year. 15-4 and four with a 3.90 earned run average. Lazardo, everyone knows, is a top prospect. And if healthy, has a chance to be a superstar on the mound. 1.03 earned run average in the uh, small cup of coffee that he had last year with Oakland. Uh, but, Joe, it's, it's time to bump Lazardo way down. And uh, Fires will just have to wait and see. Oakland's strength was the starting pitching and we've just eliminated 40 percent of that so oh uh, yeah not, not, not a great not, way to start no it is not no it is not you should be working out alone everybody right now not together it's a single person workouts right now uh but looking at this roster too trying to find some guys i mean chris bassett daniel megan those are guys that have had starts in their careers you might be able to pull through but look, frankie montas make no mistake about it is the ace of this rotation in my opinion anyway uh, montas was brilliant last year so that's the one guy that I think you can ill afford to lose. Not that you can afford to lose, you know, two fifths of your rotation right away to start the year. But if you can get a couple spot starts or patch things together, especially with these expanded rosters we have, I'm sure there's a couple guys in the minor league pipeline there. If you can get Montas and get Manaya, maybe Puck. Okay, those three guys. Can right. you stretch two starts for two weeks with these other guys before you can get everybody else in the rotation back and healthy? That's the hope. Uh, look, Fires is one of those guys who just takes the ball every fifth day. You know, I don't think he is super exciting from a fantasy standpoint. Lazardo, on the other hand, is becoming really, I don't, you know, I'm not ready to call it yet at all, but it's getting frustrating. You know, we're very excited about him last year. He has the shoulder injury. We're very excited about this year. And now it's another thing. And, you know, this happens sometimes where guys are just snake bit in a career and you hope that he gets past this and it's just about a bad luck and some things not going his way. But we've seen this derail really bright young careers before where injuries, bad situations, bad luck, just kind of spiral. The next thing you know, that guy who was can't miss misses. And I, and I hope we're not going down that road. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we're not. But to me, I think Montas is that one guy you cannot afford to lose in that rotation. How about you? Are you in the same vein in terms of as high on Montas as I am? Because that guy was brilliant last well, year. Well, I, look, I think he's good. I like Manaya too. I like Puck. But I think for Oakland's perspective, this is a big hit if both those guys oh, sure. are not in their rotation. So. Um, look, I, I don't know what Fires' situation is, and it may be different than Lazardo. But again, we're, if, if you're giving me a positive test from a guy within the last 24 hours, two weeks away from opening day here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if if the guy's quarantined for two weeks and then he's okay, remember he's not been with the team or thrown a pitch. You're still talking about right. another two or three weeks. So, I mean, Oakland's that one club that I could see them piecing not starts together, but like you know, openers and stuff like that. I could see them them trying mm -hmm. that because uh, they, they, they do tend to do different things. But kind of uh, the state of affairs on fantasy sports today where we break down who's on the field. And it's the not. COVID segment, everybody. It pretty much is at this point. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we'll dive more into fantasy baseball and a little fantasy football with our friend Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm. He'll join us next. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Hopefully everyone is having a good day. It's always a great day when we get the chance to catch up with my good buddy Howard Bender over at Fantasy Alarm, the man leading the charge into the 21st century of fantasy sports. Of course, you can find him on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy. He's got the mock draft army going on right now where you can basically mock draft every fantasy football draft to your delight, maybe even some fantasy baseball drafts. Who knows? You could do that as well. Uh, the uh, Living Draft Guide right now is up as well for them. For those of you who are playing fantasy football, there's a lot of good options out there. Uh, but nobody in the business works harder than uh, Howard Bender. He joins us now for a few minutes. We'll get into it. Howard, good to see you again. What's going on? Thanks for having me again, Craig. Always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. Um, yeah, listen, it's um, it's gearing up to be a very crazy time. We're, as you said, the Mock Draft Army. It's not just football drafts. We're doing... Uh, a lot of last-minute uh, baseball mocks for people who are still uh, having to draft through this uh, this 60-game season. So um, a lot of stuff happening over there. Between that, the draft guide, uh, prepping for NBA, NHL, you name it, we're all over it. Yeah, and uh, NASCAR as well. I know Matt Sells, who appears on the show, does mm-hmm. a great job with that. Okay, we can start off with baseball here for a minute because you know, Howard, it's like I'm fighting with the idea – of of rekindling my love for for this i i'll be back strong in 2021 but i mean i gotta tell you like what skill makes me a good player in 2020 i i just i i can't find it i mean maybe knowing some intricate details about some players but with the way that baseball is reporting this because the players some players are basically saying yes i want my story told some players are saying i do not want my name mentioned and because of that we literally, for the next two weeks, are going to have no clue as to who is tested positive and who hasn't, who is playing, who is not. So, I mean, look, you're a huge baseball fan. What is, what is your approach for all of this? Well, my approach for all of this is to try and keep as positive a mental attitude as possible. However, uh, the skepticism is uh, is creeping in every which way. I mean, we've seen, you know, how many guys have tested for po- you know positive tests uh, who are strong players. Freddie Freeman is the one struggling uh, the most through it right now, or at least that's the, the report. Uh, Tommy Pham, Charlie Blackman, all these guys have been uh, testing positive. And, you know, the, really, when, when Nick Markakis opted out, when he saw what was going on, he spoke to, uh, to you know, Freeman about it all, and, and he opted out. Um, it, was, it was another step closer, I think, to MLB having even bigger problems because, I mean, if you're Mike Trout, and your wife is going to give birth in August and you see, oh, you know, look at the travel schedule. Like he's going to have to go, you know, he's going to have to go to Texas. Uh, and, and it's, it's an open, you know, mayhem down there. It's still mayhem uh, in, uh, in Southern California too. So, uh, you know, to know that all of this is going on, to know that you would have to be quarantined from your wife and your firstborn child uh, for a full two weeks. I, He's got a crazy good sense of obligation to MLB being the face of baseball right now, but family first, safety first. And and I think that what we could be looking at is for a final straw to happen for a marquee player of Trout's, you know, marquee value uh, to opt out before we really start seeing the, uh, the pins fall. And if that does happen, then it could be um, a really big problem. You could end up, uh, Drafting a, a fantasy baseball team of nothing but high A ball players who are like, screw it, I'll just play. Of course, I mean those guys for sure. You know, can't wait to get back on the field. But it's also those same players that I think that the league has the biggest concern about because uh, you know they are kids and kids will do kids things and you can tell them all you want, don't go out, don't do things. And look, we've seen it before in other sports. You can tell a player not to go out the week of the Super Bowl. He still may go out and do it and get arrested. We've seen that. We've seen crazy things in sports. So Double double uh, homicides. <laughs> hopefully none of these things uh, happen with this, and we can get uh, baseball underway for sure. Um, when, when you look at this and you start doing mocks and you start looking at potential rankings, do you have a theory yet? Do you have, like, a strategy yet? 
do you think that pitchers are important? Maybe they are not. It seems like the first couple of weeks, maybe nobody's going five, six innings. Is it building a strong hitting team, a pitching team? Is it handcuffing players on individual baseball teams to make sure that you make the most of it? Because simply put, I, I can't see how we're doing a draft until like five minutes before the first game. <laughs> like, right, I don't exactly. know how else I can do it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I mean, the way I'm steering towards it right now is that I, I'm grabbing in the mocks that I've done. Basically, I've come away with like four starters, like three wing, you know, swing men, mm-hmm. and then like two closers. And that's kind of you know where I'm tilting towards right now because uh, you know it's not just it's not just going to be a matter of the first time through the rotation. Uh, man, you know there are a number of managers who are just talking about. Uh, tandem pitching anyway. And so we could see some starters, you know, guys who are considered uh, fourth, fifth starters on some teams uh, might only go like three innings at at a time. And they might just kind of, you know, bandy about that way. Trevor Bauer is rumored to to be pitching every four days now uh, to get him some extra starts for Cincinnati. So what I'm doing right now is I'm kind of following that plan. I'm grabbing one of the top aces relatively Early, you know, inside the first like three or four rounds, depending on what the rest of the room is doing. But it's really it is focusing on those swing men and it is focusing on the elite closers. Uh, I was just looking at the uh, at the Cy Young, the NL Cy Young odds. And I was like, oh, look at that. Josh Hader is at like plus five thousand. Kirby Yates is at plus eight thousand. These guys could log more innings than most starters, uh, depending on how their teams deploy them. So who's to say that? All of a sudden, one of these top relievers doesn't become your Cy Young Award winner just for this season. Yeah, I mean, I love Nick Anderson on Tampa Bay. I think he's going to pitch in the third, the fourth, the fifth, the eighth, the ninth. And it it is the teams that I think that employ their pitchers at any period of time, and they don't care. I mean, those may end up having the best numbers at the end of the year. You could see a reliever having five wins, five saves you know, 50 strikeouts and you look at it and how does it stack up against some of the starters, maybe even better. So, you know, that is a fair point. We'll have to look at some long shot odds there. Well, uh, soon enough, we'll be talking about football here again. And and look, I, I think that you and I probably both agree college right now is tenuous, but I do believe that they're going to attempt just like they attempt in the NHL, the NBA and, and baseball. I think they'll attempt the season. And I think uh, you know, having a, a few months ahead of them does give them a little bit of an advantage. They've decided to eliminate the preseason, so we're not going to be able to look at any of that to decide. And pool reporters are only, you know, going to be you know, basically talking about you know, camps after the camps are over. So a way different dynamic than what we've seen before. But is drafting different now, Howard, in fantasy football as well next month when this really starts to get hot? I mean, do you do you have to handcuff your quarterbacks at this point? I mean, do you have to look at teams that don't rely as much on the quarterback when you're drafting some players in fantasy? Because, Howard, you can't tell me that out of all 30 quarterbacks in the NFL that one won't test positive. I mean, that's that's going to create an issue for an entire team or entire fantasy team in this case. Yeah, I think I think I mean, that's that's the issue is that we just we just don't know. I mean, you're going to handcuff wide receivers, you're going to handcuff running backs, you're going to handcuff tight ends. Uh, I mean, you know, kind of where does that end? We're not seeing any of that right now. I mean, well, we're not seeing anything crazy right now. It's like nothing but best ball drafts and the Scott Fishbowl, which is like, you know, wacky scoring and and tight end premium. So, you know, looking at ADP right now for uh, for fantasy football is kind of on the tough side. Um, I think what we're going to just what we're going to continue to see is we're going to continue to see that, you know, same old, same old running back heavy, uh, you know, in the early rounds. But. I think the rookies are all going to kind of get pushed down and suppressed. I know that there's still a lot of helium on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor uh, as guys who, you know, Cam Akers, guys who should be uh, in decent roles. But, you know, when you're looking at wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, uh, Justin Jefferson, all these, none of these guys have gotten into camp. I mean, maybe some of them are, uh, are working out with a couple of NFL guys, but I'm sorry, you're just, you're never going to get what the NFL, the speed of the NFL game is in comparison to college until you're on the field in pads and and you're mixing it up. So I think that that's going to kind of stunt the growth for a number of uh, a number of rookies uh, who we all had very high expectations on. You look at like the Eagles, Jalen Rieger. Everybody loves Jalen Rieger, right? Absolutely. But now that you're sitting with, you know, 
a number of other targets, whether it's Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard or Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, you're definitely in uh, in some trouble there that uh, he might not see the targets because he just hasn't been able to work with Carson Wentz and the offense that much. Yeah, no, it's true. And and listen, I've gone back and forth on some theories. You know, I've had like, you know, some, I'm not drafting at all now. I won't do it till next month. But, you know, one theory on the one hand, Howard, is like, okay, with everything going on, maybe my best tactic is try and find the highest scoring team in the NFL or the second and build my team around one team. And then this way, if somebody goes down, I have all the handcuffs basically at wide receiver and a quarterback. And that's the one hand where I say to myself, oh, on a week to week basis, I'll get a lot of points. And then on the other hand, if COVID ravages that team, I got nothing. So it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what my strategy is going to be going. Right. I'm year. walking away with nobody but chiefs by the end of and, this draft. And it draft. feels like you could win that league if they play 16 games. Like you have Mahomes, you have Edwards Hilaire, you have Williams, you have Watkins, you have Hill, you have Kelsey. Okay, line them up, go. <laughs> I don't think you can get them all just based on ADP that we're seeing right now. But that'd be amazing, right? If you could end up doing that. Or even just don't pick them. Just pick a you know an offense that still right. uh, is going to score a ton of points that you could make it happen. Take Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Matt right. Ryan. Matt uh, Ryan. Throw in Todd Gurley. People are sleeping, you know, kind of waiting on the, him and too. And with the Saints, you take Breeze. You take Winston. If something happens to Breeze, you have Winston. Something happens to Winston, you have Breeze. You got both <laughs> running backs there too. I mean, look. I, I mean, the cre- it, right now it's still too early to talk wackiness with that. But we're only a month away from starting to talk wackiness like that, I think. It's getting closer as we go. And, um, look, certainly we'll see. And, and I think that more than anything else, we're all hoping to have some sports back. But at, at what expectation, I think, is, is definitely the question. We saw a key NBA, uh, two key NBA players uh, you know, out of, out of the bubble uh, this coming week, too. All right. Uh, so how about MLB screwing us also with the with the testing issues. Yeah, yeah, they are too. Yeah, I got players t- you know, telling me this ain't right. You know, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like another like a whole ball that I don't want to you know dive into. Um, so over at Fantasy Alarm, let's talk about real quick before we go the mock draft army. People always hear about it, they don't know how to get involved in it. Tell them real quick. Uh, just uh, follow at GasDoc underscore Spit. That's G A S D O C underscore S P I T. Uh, that'll take care of you. That's Andy Spiteri. He's running the mock draft army. Just send him a tweet and he'll give you the schedule and you'll be all set. All right. There you go. I mean, folks, look, I mean, you don't have to spend a dollar to do any of this stuff and it's the best possible way to keep yourself engaged. And listen, if you mock enough and you feel like then you have some sort of edge, then maybe throw some money down before you do that. As Howard said, head on over there and give that a shot. Thanks again, Howard, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hope you and everybody in California is safe. We'll catch up again soon, okay? Thanks so much for having me, Craig. Always a pleasure. All right, Howard Bender of Fantasy Alarm at Roto Buzz Guy. Make sure you follow him there, and we'll take a quick timeout. Joe Pizzapia will rejoin me here on Fantasy Sports Today. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 